Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. I want you to know whether you are a regular here at our church or you are a guest with us today, I want you to know that as a church, we are so thrilled to be able to celebrate Christmas together. And I just want to say thank you for coming out to this service. Thank you for carving some time out of your holiday schedule to be here and to celebrate together. This is, this is awesome, and I hope that you enjoy your experience here. Um, I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online who are not able to be here in person. I wish you could be, but Merry Christmas to you as well, and thanks for tuning in. And you know what's incredible? That Christmas story that we just heard, for those of you online, we watched a video. For almost, for nearly 2,000 years now, people have been telling and sharing that story and remembering and celebrating the birth of a Jewish baby boy. A Jewish baby boy who was not born into a royal family, a Jewish baby boy whose birth was not announced by the masses of culture or anything like that. But at this time of year, in, in every country around the world, there are millions of people gathering together to celebrate, some in public like us, some in private, and some people even in secret around our world, to remember and celebrate the birth of a Jewish baby boy named Jesus. A baby boy who would grow up one day and turn the world on its head, a Jewish baby boy who would one day willingly lay down his life and then miraculously come back. And it's at Christmas time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who would be the Savior of the world. Now, if it's your first time with us today or first time in a while, I really need to catch you up to speed because all month long as a church, we have been in a message series looking at the Christmas story, but from some unexpected angles. In the series we called didn't see that coming. And here's the reason why. Because I think many of us are familiar with the Christmas story. Maybe you grew up going to church and hearing it. Maybe you grew up and had a, a grandparent read you the story by the fireplace. Or even you're just familiar from culture and hearing bits and pieces. Most of us are familiar with parts of the Christmas story. But we don't always realize everything that it signifies for our lives. And so all month long, we've been looking at some of the unexpected things that the Christmas story means for us and what the birth of Jesus reveals about our Heavenly Father. We talked about in the first week of this series that the Christmas story reveals that God has not forgotten about you and I. That there may be some situations and circumstances that we go through in our lives, some difficulties that we face that, that may lead us to believe that God, man, why would I be going through this unless God has forgotten about me? And we start to question, we start to wonder if God is really there, if he really does remember us. But when we take a look at the entire Christmas story, we can see that God hasn't forgotten, that he promised a Savior way back in the Garden of Eden, and his timeline was different than people expected. His timeline is maybe different than what we want in our lives. It took 4,000 years for that to pass, but a Savior did come. Jesus was born. God has not forgotten about anything or anyone. It's when we take a look at the Christmas story that we didn't see this coming, but the birth of Jesus reveals to us that God is not distant, that he's not far away, that we don't know, need to go searching for him. We don't need to try and find him on some treasure map, and hopefully if we live good enough, hopefully if we do enough good, maybe we'll reach him at the end. No, 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 no. The Christmas story blows that out of the water. God, out of his love and compassion, chose to come to us. He chose to be near to us. He could have stayed in heaven, he didn't have to be born here on this earth, but he wanted to be near to us. We didn't see it coming, but God is not distant. 
It's through the Christmas story that we see that God understands what it's like to be a human being, that he understands what it's like to walk in our shoes. Everything about the human experience that you and I go through, especially the low points and the valleys in life, God understands. Because Jesus was born as a human being in this world, he lived through the same sorts of things that you and I do. Jesus lived through grief, and so when you and I are grieving, he's there with us. He understands. Jesus experienced firsthand what it's like to feel rejected. And so if you and I feel rejected or misunderstood or abandoned by people, he knows exactly what's that like. God understands. Jesus knows what it's like to be alone and to be lonely. And because he experienced that, because he lived through out of his firsthand experience, he offers us supernatural help, his grace and his mercy when we need it most. We think that God is distant and has no idea what it's like in our lives, but we didn't see it coming, but God understands. And then just last week, we talked about that God has made a way to be right with him. Not through our behaviors, not through good versus bad, not through us, you know, trying to pay penance or, or pay back what we've done, but simply through putting our trust in Jesus. He offers that we can be totally and completely right with him. No more separation, no more anything in the way. We are 100% right with him when we put our trust in Jesus. And those are some of the things that we didn't see coming, that God has not forgotten. He is not distant. He understands and he offers a way to be right with him. But here's, here's the question for today, and here's the question I think it's important that we ask. Why? Why would God go through all of that? I mean, why, th think about that 4,000-year span from when God first promised a Savior in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned. Why would he do that then? Why would he establish a nation of Israel? Why would he work through this nation of prophets and kings and exiles and captivities and all this to bring about a Savior, to bring about a Messiah? Why would God go through that? I mean, is he bored? Did, did God run out of Netflix shows to watch? Like, did he finish all the seasons? Is God just some sort of, like, cosmic narcissist sort of thing? I mean, even, even today, why Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we remember the birth of of a Jewish baby boy 2,000 years ago. We don't do that with anybody else in human history. Why celebrate? And I think this is one of the things that, that many people throughout history, and maybe even some of us, didn't see coming. The answer to the question why, I think, reveals the very heart of God and the greatest aspect in all of Christianity. Why Jesus? Why Christmas? Why this plan? was for this reason, for relationship. Because God wanted a relationship with you and with me. God's number one desire, the number one thing on his heart more than anything else is to have a relationship with all of mankind. Jesus wasn't born just so that we could learn how to do things for God. God didn't send Jesus just so that we could figure out a new way to live. The Christmas story is not about us just learning how to love one another. I mean, those are all maybe some great byproducts of it. But the reason for the season, the reason for Christmas was God's desire for relationship with mankind. And I think as a, as a dad, I think I can understand a little piece of what that's like. And if you are a parent, whether your kids are little or old, you, you will understand this as well. I have two daughters, 
Their names are Audrey and Adele. I love them. This is my chance to make you just look at them. Um, <laughs> Audrey is 11 years old. Adele is eight. And they are my world. Man, I adore them. They just light up my life. But, but here's the thing about my girls. They can't really do anything for me. You know, they don't have jobs. They don't help pay the bills. Um, you know, they, they're not old. I mean, they do like some little chores around the house or whatever, but they don't do like the big ones that I really want help with, you know, mowing the lawn or plowing the driveway, anything like that. They just, they can't do that. And they make me arts and crafts and pictures and I love them and I cherish them, but let's be honest, okay? They're not going to hang in an art museum someday, okay? Like, I'm not going to live off the royalties of their artwork. And here's the thing. More than what they can do for me, the best part about my girls for me is my relationship with them. You know? I just, I just love spending time with my girls. I love looking at their faces. I love, I love sitting on the couch and watching movies together or playing games, you know, card games or board games, whatever. I love picking them up from school and hearing about their day and what they're learning and what their friends, you know, did and all that sort of stuff. I, I love putting them to bed at night and getting to cuddle with them. They're still young enough that they like to do that with me, and I don't know how long that'll last, but I'm very much looking forward to opening gifts up with them tomorrow morning and just kind of spending the morning together. It's just our tight-lit little, little family. And, and it, there's nothing my girls could ever do, achieve, attain, buy, become, accomplish. None of that would ever replace the value of just my relationship with them, of spending time with them. And if you're a parent, you understand. I mean, I'm just a regular dad. This is nothing special about me. Whether your kids are little and at home or grown and out of the home, it's the relationship that's most important, isn't it? And I think what we, what we see in parenthood, what we see with our own kids, is just a small reflection of God's desire for a relationship with us. God wants more than anything else to have a relationship with every single human being. It doesn't matter whether you go to church every week or just on Christmas. God wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter if you read the Bible a little or a lot. God wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter if you are gay or straight. God wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, male or female, conservative or Democrat. Pick anything in between. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you have spent your whole life serving God and worshiping him and trying to live out his will for your life, or you have done the exact opposite. You have run from God and you are mad at God and you cuss him out and you blame him for the problems. If any spectrum you want to create, doesn't matter where we fall in it, God wants a relationship with you and with me. That's Christmas. That's Christianity. The only way for that relationship to be possible is through Jesus. We can't have a relationship any other way, and that is why God sent his one and only son. It's to have this close, personal, connected relationship with every one of us. Author Henry Blackaby says it this way in his book, Experiencing God. He says, God is not a concept or a doctrine. He's a person who seeks a close, one-on-one -on -one relationship with you and with me. God doesn't want us to merely believe in him. He wants to relate to us on a personal level. He does not just want to hear us recite prayers. He wants to converse with us back and forth. God's plan is not to abandon Christians once we are born again, leaving us to build the best life we can. 
He does not intend that we simply use our wits to get by, to bravely survive until we are finally ushered into heaven. No, God wants to be actively involved in our lives each and every day. This is Christmas. This is Christianity. This is why Jesus was born, so that God could enjoy a relationship with us, and in turn, we could enjoy this close personal relationship with him as well. And this is not just Henry Blackaby's idea. Who cares what Henry Blackaby says? This is not just my idea I'm trying to sell you on. Who cares what I say? This is what we can read about in every letter and document that make up the Bible. The angel, when he was talking to Joseph about his soon-to-be wife Mary and what would happen, the angel said this, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This God with us part, man, it is everything. God sent Jesus not just so that we could have spiritual knowledge, not just so we'd have some new religion to follow. Jesus being born is not just so we could be God's little robots and do what he says. No, no, it's for the purpose of relationship. When we look at that, that's why God hasn't forgotten. That's why God isn't distant. It's why he understands. It's why he offers a way to be made right for the purpose of a relationship with you and I. The Apostle Paul is responsible for writing almost half of the documents that make up the New Testament. And he describes this this incredible, didn't-see-it-coming relationship with God aspect in almost every single document that he writes. But I think the best place that we can see is in a letter that we call Romans. Now, in Romans, in the first four chapters of this letter, Paul describes how to be made right with God, that none of us can be right with God on our own. It is only by trusting in Jesus. It's not about our behaviors. Again, it's not about our good versus bad. It's not about if we're better than somebody else. It's not about if we're super sincere or try really hard. It's all about putting our trust in Jesus, that we are completely and totally right. And after he covers that, again, four chapters of hitting this from every different angle, then Paul goes on to write the reason why. And he says this, so now we can rejoice, those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. It's all about relationship. Everything in Christianity is about a relationship with God. And sometimes I think, well, being right with God, we we assume that's the goal. Well, I just got to be right with God, and that affects how we behave and all that sort of stuff. But rightness is not the goal. Rightness is the way to the goal. We can only have a relationship with God when we are right, but it's not like that's the end. Okay, I'm right with God, and then I just go on and live my life. No, no, no. We're right with God so that we can enjoy a relationship with him. And that's what Paul reminds us of, this relationship that is possible. It is such good news. It's what the angel told the shepherds in the fields that night. I bring you good news of great joy because a relationship with God is finally possible. That's what this Christmas celebration is about. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus year after year after year because God has made a way for us to have a relationship with him and for him to have a relationship with us. Everything about Christmas and everything about Christianity is about relationship. But here's my guess for some of us, if we're honest with ourselves. We might be thinking in our heads right now, so what? 
I mean, so what if a relationship with God is possible, right? Like, I don't really care. And I know we'd never say that out loud, right, especially in a church, and maybe we wouldn't put it so bluntly, but, but inside, isn't that kind of what some of us are thinking? Like, I, I don't relationship with God, like, what does that matter? I mean, we, we're pretty responsible people, right? Most of us have our lives together, and we, we can get through things, and yeah, we hit some rough patches, and yeah, things don't always go according to plan, but like, we're still here, right? We can get through most of the time. And even if you have had some, some low, low points and experienced some things in your life that you'd never wish on your worst enemy, you're here, you made it through somehow, and maybe you're not as good as you could be, but like, I think we, we live in such a relatively good world. I'm not trying to downplay any pain or experience you may have felt, but we live in such a good world, such an easy world, such a blessed time in history that many people don't even perceive a need for God. And maybe that's even some of us here today. Like, my life is fine. Cool, God, I'm glad you offer a relationship. But like, honestly, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. And when I'm not doing fine, you know what I can do? I can go get a new car and I can go add on to my house and I can, you know, find a new spouse and I can go on a vacation. I can do all these different things. And for some things in life, there are alternatives. Totally, I will give you that but not for everything. What do you and I do with the fear in our lives? And I'm not talking about fear of spiders or fear of heights, okay? There's, there's other options for that. But I mean like that fear that's deep inside every one of us that maybe no one else even knows about, but is 100% there. How do, how do we handle fear? How do you handle fear over the future? What are we going to do with fear of not having enough. Whatever it is, you, we, you know, we think we don't have enough of. What, what do we do with that fear? What do we do with fear about the economy and the government? Maybe fear of being found out. Man, some of us live with secrets that are so deep and we live our lives every day afraid. What if someone knows? What if someone finds out? What, what do we do with that? What do we do with the fear of illness or disease? You know, the big C word, covid or cancer, or whatever you want the C word to be. What do you do with those fears? What do you do with the fear of losing a loved one? Or even the fear of our own mortality? You see, I think sometimes we, we just like to fill up our lives with activities and things and purchases so we don't have to think about those fears. Or maybe some of us turn the other way and we try and numb out the pain with substances and alcohol or whatever it might be. But the fear is still there. It doesn't go anywhere. How do we deal with fear? You see, I think this is one of the benefits of Christmas, one of the benefits of this relationship with God that is possible. Because I believe as you and I build a relationship with God, not just mental knowledge of him, but a relationship with him, and I believe that's where those fears start to subside. Now, not like it's a silver bullet or a magic pill or anything like that, but the more time we spend with God, the more we get to know him, the more open and honest we talk to him and enjoy his presence and just sit with him, the more those fears of this life start to diminish. Because the more we do it, the more we start to realize how much God loves us. And again, it's not just, it's not just a phrase we memorize because, you know, the church told us to, but we actually experience firsthand for ourselves the love of God. And you know what decreases as God's love increases? Fear among other things. 
It's in a relationship with God where we are one with him, where we spend time with him, where we, where we just hang out together and talk together. It's in those moments where God begins to transform us on the inside, to shape the way we view the world and, and view material things and even view, you know, that this life isn't all there is. God begins to develop in us a bigger perspective of not just hoping for something better someday and crossing our fingers, but actually knowing of something better, an eternity with him forever. We can deal with the fear in our lives, but I believe the only way is through a relationship with God that he offers to us through Jesus. What about that elusive thing that we're all searching for? Peace. Do you want some more peace in your life? Again, it's what the angel told the shepherds that night, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It's what Linus reminded Charlie Brown of on the stage when the lights went down. Peace. And I'm not talking about world peace or even peace within our nation or even our community. I mean peace on the inside. Joy. Contentment. Just this feeling of, it's going to be okay. Where do you and I find peace like that? Or is peace like that even possible? Well, I think it is. I've experienced it but it comes through a relationship with God. Not just mental knowledge, not just celebrating Christmas, but the relationship with God that is possible. The Apostle Paul writes th these instructions to Christians 2,000 years ago. He says this, Don't worry about anything. I understand easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Be open and honest. Don't try and hide anything back because then if we do that as we build that relationship, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I think that's the key word right there. As we live in a relationship with God that is made possible through Jesus, that's where we experience a supernatural peace, something that I think we're all searching for. And listen, if you're here today or you're watching online and you struggle with depression, you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with feeling hopeless, or maybe there's just, it's, it's none of those things, but it's just kind of this lingering uneasiness inside. Listen, if that's you, God offers help but it's through a relationship with him and nothing else. I think every single human being that has ever lived, all of us today, everybody throughout history, has asked the question at some point in our lives, what's my value, right? What's my value? Do I have any worth? What's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose? You know, is, is there more to this life than just, you know, wake up, eat, go to work, eat, go to sleep, repeat. Like, does my life matter? Does my life value? Is there anything about me that is worth anything? And I, I know that I've had sleepless nights and anxieties asking that question. And if you haven't yet, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, you will. Okay, you will. It's inevitable. We used to call those types of feelings midlife crisis, but it's happening for all of us today all the time regardless of age. And when we hit those moments, when we have these doubts about our value and am I really worth anything, I know what we all tend to do. 
We all tend to go out and fix it ourselves. You know, I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to buy a new house. I'm going to go on another vacation. I'm going to do all these different little things. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, dive into this hobby or whatever it might be. And for a little while, they work, don't they? These alternatives, these other things that we try for a little while, they work. But here's what I know, and here's what you know, and here's what everybody knows. It never lasts. It never lasts. These little short fixes, they're only temporary. And then we're just on to find another fix. We're just on to try and fill up our lives with something else. And like, what if it didn't have to be that way? What if we didn't have to live our lives wondering, am I really valuable? Do I really matter? What if there was a solution? And here again, spoiler alert, I believe there is in a relationship with God. Psalm 139 is one of the more famous psalms in the entire Bible. It's written by King David. And in this psalm, he describes how God knows everything about us, that he knit us together in our mother's womb, that he saw every day of our lives before we'd even lived them out, that he knows our thoughts, that he knows everything there is to know about us. And then David says this, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot even be numbered. You have so many good, loving thoughts towards me. God, they're, they're more than I could even count. And listen, I have discovered this is true in my life. And millions of other people throughout history have discovered this is true, that God has precious and good, loving thoughts towards them. But what about you? Listen, if you have questions that rattle in your mind and in your heart that maybe even nobody else knows about, maybe you've kept it hidden for so long, but you wonder, do I have purpose? Does anybody notice? Does anybody really love me? Do I have value? I wish so bad I could make this true for you. I wish I could help you to understand this. But me trying to explain this to you is like me trying to describe skydiving if you've never been. I can tell you everything there is to know about the event of skydiving. I can tell you where you have to go. I can tell you how much it costs. I can tell you the videos you got to watch beforehand and the waivers you sign. I can tell you how they strap you to the instructor. I can tell you the type of plane that you get into. I can tell you what height we climb to. I can tell you how when you fall out of the plane, they want you to like kick your legs back and just kind of fall. Sort. I can try and explain the rush of the wind in your face and like the amazingness of free fall, seeing the curve of the earth. But until you experience skydiving for yourself, you will never know what that is like. The same with this. God has so many precious and good thoughts for us. But until we experience it in a relationship, they're just words on a screen. They're just words on pages in a book. Oh, holy night, one of the most famous Christmas carols there is, says it like this, Long lay the world, in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul, your soul, my soul, until the soul felt its worth. How precious are your thoughts about me? God, you love me in such incredible ways and it's not just something I read, but I experience that through a relationship with you. Wouldn't it be worth at least trying this relationship with God peace? Wouldn't it be worth exploring and finding out if this is really what God offers us? I mean, here, here's the thing. As, as we wrap up today, this is my wish, my prayer, if I could have one thing this Christmas, would be for every single one of us, myself included, everybody watching online, 
that we would grow in our relationship with God. Wherever we are right now, that we would grow and move closer to him. That mean that would be my Christmas wish. It's the, like I said, it's the number one thing on God's heart. It's the reason for Christmas is so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And listen, I, I understand, especially if you've never tried this before, pursued knowing God, I understand it, you know, it's weird to try new things and it can be awkward and maybe you've got questions and like, I don't know what to do and where to start and we don't have time to cover that today. I'm going to give you a little secret here, okay? That's what we do the other 364 days a year. Around here, man, we help each other. We pray for each other. We encourage one another. We challenge one another. We, we pick each other up and we fall. Let's keep pursuing God together. In fact, in January and February, our two series are going to be about this specifically. In January, we're talking about how to eliminate some of the hurry from our lives so that we can focus on God. And then in February, is all about prayer, how to pray, understanding this prayer sort of thing. And, and I just want to say, here is your official personal invitation to both of those series. You are all invited back to join us. But it's got to start now, today, with you. What do you want? God sent his one and only son into this world whose birth we celebrate on Christmas for the purpose of having a relationship with us. And I would hope and pray for you that through understanding that, through hearing this truth today, that you would in turn desire a relationship back with him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Man, we just thank you so much for sending Jesus. Honestly, there's nothing that we have ever done to deserve such an incredible gift, the best Christmas gift any of us will ever receive in our lives. Your son being born into this world so that we could know you, so that we could have a relationship with you. And Father, I know that we've all experienced different things in our lives. I know that we're all at different points in our spiritual journey. But Father, I pray that this Christmas, today, even in the next few moments, that you would touch each of our hearts and draw us close to you. Father, I pray that you would give us a desire to want to know you better. And I pray in return, Father, this would be the best Christmas any, as any of us have ever had. Regardless of what might be going on in the rest of our lives, may our relationship with you fill us with joy this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.